Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hurts has all day. Now some rushers come. Going to throw it as far as his arm can take it, which is well short. And the Kansas City Chiefs have won Super Bowl 57. 38-35, the call from Fox broadcasting the game yesterday at our own backyard. Sky Harbor Airport, I'm sure, is an absolute mess right now. And once again, Arizona pats yourself on the back. That was a very, very good Super Bowl. The weather was great. The facilities looked wonderful. The stadium was awesome. Other than that minor part about the field being a little bit of an ice rink out there. Don't mention the grass. Yeah, well, the field was a Mm. little bit of a mess out there. Maybe Uh, the guy should have got better cleats. (laughs) No, look, look, if we're being honest about it, it it was a really really good Super Bowl save for two things. Number one, you alluded to it, so did I, the quality of the field. It was awful. It was just I mean, to the point where that, and I don't think, I could be wrong about this, I don't think it's fair to blame the Arizona Cardinals for that. I think that's very much a league thing. The league came in, the league spent $800,000 on the field. I can't imagine that the Cardinals were responsible for that, that the NFL is, the field was a mess, and to be honest, the ending of the game. Other than that, other than those two things, halftime show was great, the pregame show was great, the Valley looked great, all the facilities came through, all the parties were awesome, everything was fantastic about our Super Bowl, except for the ending to that game yesterday and the quality of the field throughout. Those are the two big negatives. You know, it was interesting that Bradbury didn't even try to put up an argument afterwards. I held him. Like, I held him. Instead of saying, come on, man, that play happens all the time, you can't call it, like, he said, I held him. Yeah, I was hoping they wouldn't call it, but I held him. If you look at the play over and over again, and when you when they take the play all the way through, you're almost like, how did they throw a flag in it? But if you just stop it after the first second and a half, he's got a hold of his jersey. Yes, he's he holding him like he's holding him. He's he got is. Him. Yep. Now once they play it through, you can see him let go of the jersey and then his arms kind of on him, but not really pulling him. And he's able to run his route. He's able to run his route. It was like he prevented him from. A, but by the letter of the law, I think yeah. somebody. I think Mike Sando said it's like you're getting a ticket going 65 and a 60. That's what that's, that's what a that fair is. comp. That's yeah, I, think a fair, my, I think technically you're breaking the law. But you're breaking the law. Come on, you're and, going 65 and a 60. You get pulled over, and I'm going to give you a ticket. Why speeding? How fast was I going? 65. It's a 60. You know, that's a great comp. Why am I? Why am I getting pulled over right now? Yeah, well, like, come on, I'm five miles over the speed limit. Why am I getting mm-hmm. pulled yeah. over? No, that's and, and that's and that's exactly what it was yesterday. Was it the letter of the law? And you heard, you know, Pereira yesterday during the broadcast. You saw Blandino came out and say, "Hey, it's a penalty. You got to call it right." Kurt Warner. I saw him on Twitter saying, "Where's the line?" You know, basically, yeah, Kurt was it's like, a penalty. It's a penalty. But you. But the problem with this is that you you. You could call holding on every single penalty. On every single play, you could call some kind of holding in all likelihood. If you're watching every single player, there's a lot of holding that goes on. And that was, I was listening to Wolf and Luke driving in, and that was the point that Wolf was making. He's like, all I ask is that you be consistent. Whatever you call in the fourth quarter, make it be the same thing you're calling in the first quarter. But that's, and that's where they were, there weren't a lot of calls yesterday during the game. There weren't a lot of penalties. There, there weren't a lot. There weren't a ton, and there certainly, certainly, there weren't a lot of 
holding penalties, defensive holding penalties, pass interference penalties. It was neutral. There was false starts and neutral zone infractions. A lot of neutral zone infractions and a couple of faults. But but in terms of the pass interference and the defensive holding, they were kind of letting the guys play out there until that moment. Here's the thing. Kansas City might have won the game anyway. All the penalties he did was deprive Philadelphia of a legitimate chance of coming back and tying the game. With or a minute and a half lead. left, and it would add the ball, and it would have been fun. It like, it would have been fun that, to watch. That's the word. Like, it deprived of uh, the of fun, fun of fun. watching them try. Well, right? I just, Hertz was so great. Like, I really, like, I, I have a newfound respect for him, man. He was so good. I would have loved to have seen what that kid could have done with a minute and a half left, and them, you know, down by yep. three to see if he could have came back and, and, and found a way to force overtime or get them the victory, and we got deprived of that because an official decided to call a holding penalty right there. Now, I get everybody it's saying, like, okay, you know, you know, but it just seems like if you wanted to call that penalty in the first, second, and third quarter, you could have. For some reason, they put, I, I wish they wouldn't have, but by the letter of the law, that, that, was, that was holding. Yeah, and, and so it did deprive us of what could have been a great ending, or at least watching the Eagles try, and instead it put the Chiefs in this position where they could just kill the clock all the way down McKinnon. I thought, I thought for sure everybody got the memo but him about not scoring, because I thought he was going to score that touchdown, and I'm like yelling at him, like, you got to get down, dude. He's smart. He did. It was smart. It took him a second, but he finally got down and slid right the one yard line or whatever, I would have. Other than that, it was a it was a really competitive game. It was. It was a compelling game. But didn't we think that it was going to come? Like I yes. thought it was going to be more of a lower scoring game. The offenses just dominated this game. I mean, didn't Kansas City score in every single possession they had in the second half? They did indeed. And Philly even in the second half got a touchdown and a field goal and like the offenses really shined here uh, for the most part. But it was the game we thought we would get. We thought it would be a very close game that came down to like three points. It did. You had Kansas. City winning by three. I think I, did. I had Philly winning by three. Uh-huh. Yeah, we thought it'd be a close game, and it was. It delivered on all those counts. I, to me, the key to yesterday's win was the job the Kansas City offensive line did in keeping Philly's defenders off of Patrick Mahomes. That was the ball game right it, there. It was incredible. I mean, it really was incredible that the Philadelphia pass rush had four different guys, four different guys that had 10 or more sacks, yep. including Hassan Reddick, were not able to touch Patrick Mahomes. Now, Mahomes was good. He got rid of the ball. But there were a couple of times when Mahomes had, Mahomes had to move around the pocket mm-hmm. to right, create a little time and space, and they weren't able to get him. There was at least five times where Mahomes dropped back to pass. First read not there. Second read not there. Okay, I feel the pressure. I've got to move around a little bit to be able to go through my third and fourth reads. He did that without getting sacked. I thought that was very impressive. Yeah, that, the fact the running game was as dominant as it was in the second half. I think they had 119 yards rushing in the second half. I think they got six first downs on the ground in the second half. Kansas City did that. Offensive line just absolutely took that game over. They were, Mahomes got the MVP. The offensive line, I thought, were the stars of that game and the reason why they won. That, go ahead. And, and Because that's where you don't pay Tyreek Hill the money and you still have Orlando Brown Jr. and Joe Thune and Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith and Andrew, Andrew Wiley. Like, you didn't you you didn't have to because you didn't pay Tyreek Hill. You didn't have to cut good players to fit Tyreek Hill into your budget. That's a lesson for a lot of people to learn. That's a lesson. Like the Cardinals, they had Hopkins and they went out and they got Marquise Hollywood Brown. They would have been better off if they had drafted a center. 
and on the offensive line than getting Hollywood Brown. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that, that is a lesson to learn. Spending money on the offensive line. spending the, And that was always kind of the problem with the Cardinals the last few years. They just became infatuated with skill position players and by acquiring as many skill position players as they possibly, especially at the wide receiver spot, just one after another after another, one tight end after another after another. Right. Offensive line, defensive line. And who's line, Mahomes throwing line, to besides Kelsey? Line. He's, Who's he throwing to besides the, Travis Juju Kelsey? Smith Schuster, who they got for a song. Marquez Valdez Scantling, yeah. they got for a song. Sky $150 a game for each guy. That's what they're paying him. $150 Moore, a game. A fourth round draft pick, right? Kadarius <laughs> Tony, who they got for a song from the Giants in the middle of the they're season. They're not paying those guys anything. No. They're not paying them anything. No, and it helps when you've got a great quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. But there were, look, there were other things about yesterday's game, too. The Mahomes run to set up. The Bradbury penalty From was forty-four yard enormous. line to the. 20, was it to the 27? Yeah. Because it took him from having to kick a, you know, like a 60-something yard field goal to a more manageable 40-something yard field goal. So that was that was a huge play in the game. The Tony punt return was dynamic. Huge. I mean, it, when, just, when, it, when it they, felt like it swung the whole game. When, when I saw that play, when I saw that play and he's taking it all the way to the left, there was a second there where in my mind it clicked like every single Eagles player is there. He cut, and then he cut it back and I'm like, and I because I'm watching the game with Chelsea, I'm like, he's going to take that to the house. Mm-hmm. Because every single Eagles player, almost every single one was all over pursuing to that side of the field where Tony was running left. He cut it back. There was nobody there. And there were like five Kansas City, I'm almost surprised surprised he didn't get any end zone because there's a shot where you could see he, had, he had five blockers five blockers and he took it all the way down it was just it was a great punt return a fun game uh the grass hassan reddick after the game i'm not gonna lie it was the worst field i ever played on without making excuses to get to this level in this game and have it be the worst field ever played on i mean it's got to be frustrating to be honest it was, it was it was very disappointing you know it's the nfl you, you would think it would be better so you know we can we can get some better play um but it is what it is, man. You know, it is what it is. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Maybe the league will look at it and tell Arizona they got to step their stuff up. I don't know what it's, I don't know. It's not my decision to make. It's not my call to make. Whatever it is, it's what it is. But here's the thing about that. It, uh, something like that, it affects both teams. Kansas City had to deal with it just as much as Philly did, right? It wasn't like it was advantage Kansas City because the field was so sloppy yesterday. It, it hurt both of them. But I disagree with Hassan. I, I, unless I'm really, really wrong about this, I don't think that's an Arizona Cardinal issue. It was earlier in the season. I'll give you that. The field didn't look great it a, early. It was a brand new field. It was a brand new field installed by the NFL, paid for by the NFL. That's their field. Not, not at that point. What you think, you think the NFL before the biggest game of the year says to the Arizona Cardinals, hey, you guys are in charge of the field. Just let us know what you guys decided to do. Of course right. not. Of course not. It was the, one of the biggest conversations. Now, it was a local farmer growing the grass, right? I think it was just a local farmer. But they paid $800,000. The sod was put inside a tray. They rolled it out into the sunshine every day, give it a little sunshine. Sure. And look, the, listen, here's the deal. Players want to play on grass fields. They don't want to play on turf. They think it's safer for them, and um, so they would prefer to play on grass. On grass, so they, you know, they again, they, the NFL worked with some local farmer here. They grew this grass, and 
apparently it just didn't work for them. The Innings Festival is back. The two-day music festival featuring Green Day, Eddie Vedder, Weezer, The Offspring, and so much more returns to Tempe Beach Park on February 25th and 26th. Please head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win tickets. Could this be the final Cardinals head coaching search? Update, update, update. That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo. What's on tonight? Hey, well, we're done? Yeah, we're done a little early today. Coyotes Predators is on tonight. Six o'clock face-off. Uh, pre-game coverage is beginning in about 12 minutes from right now. Here. No Jacob Chikrin. They're going to hold him out until they trade him. Yep. He is He's out. not going to play. Until something happens. Smart. I mean, yeah, of course. Smart. Smart for a couple of reasons. Number one, he's one of your best players, and you're not, you know, winning games is not the goal necessarily, right? You want to win some, but you also want to lose your fair share, Remember how they got him? Chikrin? No, I don't. They got him because Detroit had to get off of the Pavel Datsoy contract. And so the Coyotes moved up in the draft, and they got Chikrin because Detroit made that deal with them. Because they needed to get off of the Datsuk contract. I forgot Because he, you know, he had wanted to go back to Russia to play, but his cap, like that money was on the cap. And Detroit was trying to get rid of that cap money. The Coyotes, oh, we'll take your, you know, I don't have to to pay Pavel, but I'll take his money on the cap and I'll move up a few spots and I'll I'll draft a player that we really like. Yeah, I got to imagine, I mean, the, the trade deadline in the NHL is what March... Third, I think March fourth, something like that. So it's coming up, but it's still a couple yeah, weeks a away. Years. Yeah, he'll probably get traded before that. I, I, I would say if they're sitting him right now, I got to imagine they're close enough where they think something's going to happen, where they want to uh, not risk run the risk of him getting hurt. Suns are off tonight. ASU U of A obviously all off tonight as well. Suns are back in action tomorrow when they take on. The, I'm looking forward to the game against the Sacramento Kings tomorrow. Yeah, because the Kings are good. The Kings are good. They're mm-hmm. hanging in there. They had that, yep. and I don't think the Suns have played them yet this year. I don't believe the Suns have played Sacramento, or if they have, it was really early in the season. I don't know if they've matched up yet yeah. or not, so I'm curious. But that's tomorrow night. Tonight, we're off a little early for Coyotes hockey. It begins at 6 o'clock. All right, this time tomorrow, um, we're going to be back for a full edition of the Burns and Gambo Show. Gambo and I are both expecting that by the time I yell straight up 2 o'clock tomorrow, the Arizona Cardinals will have a new coach. Uh, I don't know if they're going to announce it or if it's going to be reported on. It feels like it's coming. It feels like it's coming real quick. So let's give everybody one last final update on what's going on with the Cardinals coaching search. Jonathan Gannon's the defensive coordinator of the Super Bowl losing team, the Eagles. He reportedly stayed in town to have an interview with the Cardinals today. There are some around the National Football League who believe he might be the leading candidate for the job. Uh, it would be, according to Josh Weinfuss, the focus right now, he covers the team for ESPN.com, the focus right now is on Lou Anarumo and Jonathan Gannon to be the next head coach. No mention of Mike Kafka at all, so it sort of So it would be a defensive guy. It would be a defensive and again, a first-time head coach who's never been a head coach in the NFL before. So it'll be the third cycle in a row where they hire a first-time coach. Steve Wilkes, Cliff Kingsbury, and whoever gets the job very likely tomorrow. We had Elliot Shore Parks on the show earlier. He works for the Eagles flagship station WIP, 94 WIP in Philly. He just doesn't think Gannon is a fit in Arizona. 
good defense coordinator. I think he has potential as a head coach. If I were the Cardinals, I would not hire him because I think what they need right now is an offensive head coach. They need somebody that's going to come in and try to fix what's really kind of a disaster at quarterback right now, right? So with Gannon, I think you're going to get someone that knows how to run a team. I think you're going to get someone that will create a good culture. I think you're going to get someone that knows what a good organization should run like. What you're not going to get is someone that can fix the main problem with the team. So his offensive coordinator hire is going to be crucial and pretty much decide whether he's successful there or not. But can't we say the same thing about Lou Anarumo? Yeah, he'd have to hire, of course. But right? he's the, yeah. He's just talking about the one about Gannon. He wasn't blown away by Gannon. He was a lot of other things he said about Gannon. He like he said good things about him, but he didn't seem to be blown away by like, oh my god, this guy's gonna be a great head coach. You got to hire him. Everybody says it. you just got to hire the right coach, not offensive defense, right? You got to hire the right coach, the leader of men. I believe that. Yeah, hire the right guy. He just seems to think that the Cardinals' major problem is Kyler Murray, and that's not a guy that can fix it. Yeah, and and that's why I I'm glad we got him on, and it was very strongly worded. You know, if I were the Cardinals, I wouldn't hire him, but not because of any flaw that he's got as a coach. I think he just believes, he being Elliott, believes the Cardinals need to hire an offensive-minded head coach because Kyler is the thing that needs to be fixed. I don't believe that. I don't believe that he... I, I, I think he's get the best coach. Get the best coach who's who can lead a locker room, who understands what a head coach looks like in the NFL. You can't be coach bro all the time because no matter who gets the job, whether it's Anna Rumo or Gannon, they're going to have to hire a great offensive guy to fix Kyler Murray. I mean, it's so I I don't well, I appreciate him coming on and being so strongly worded about it. I kind of fundamentally disagree with him. I, I I think that as long as Gannon checks the other boxes and brings with him a great offensive coordinator, I still think he can be the guy who's the next head coach of the Cardinals. I wouldn't rule him out just because he's a defensive coach. No, listen, I think the Cardinals are going to take their lumps next year, so I don't think this guy comes in and gets canned after a year. But as I've said, you know, we're going to look at this coaching cycle in a few years, and some of these coaches are going to be gone, and some of them are still going to be here. And I just really hope that the Cardinals hire a guy that's going to last. The last coaching cycle with Cliff Kingsbury, LaFleur got hired by Green Bay, Zach Taylor got hired by Cincinnati, Flores in Miami, Bruce Arians in Tampa. There were some guys that didn't work out. Adam Gase didn't work out. Freddie Kitchens didn't work out. Cliff was probably somewhere in the middle, you know, but he wasn't the best hire. That was probably Zach Taylor or Matt LaFleur. You might make an argument Bruce Arians, and I think Brian Flores did a good job in Miami. You you don't want to be looking down the road in a couple of years saying, I we we hired the worst guy. We had to hire him first. So that's the thing I just I worry about that. I worry about that because they, they're not going to win the press conference with this hire. But that doesn't matter. They just got to make sure that this is the right guy. Yep. And and whether he is or not, Wolf, I, I look, I, I think a couple of things. Number one, it sounds like Monty Austin Fort has a previously established relationship with Gannon, which suggests that they were indeed waiting for him to become available. And this is the first chance they've had to talk to him in this capacity. And number two, who's his OC? And I would have the same question for Lou Anner. At this point, I'm almost more interested in who the OC is than who the head coach is going to be. Because that guy guy's going to have an enormous amount of responsibility. I wouldn't go that far, but it is important. We are out of here. We'll see you tomorrow straight up 2 o'clock here on Burns and Gambo. Have a great night, everyone. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Go.